welcome to the February episode of the Crossroads Forum. I'm your host and Executive Director of Build Indiana Council, Brian Gould. Joining us today, our guest for her fifth appearance, earning her merit badge as a five-time attendee, Lori Maudlin, President of Appian and also our Build Indiana Council lobbying expert. two of us spending quite a bit of time over in the state house this session. Uh, we, we knew it was going to be a really busy session. We, we knew we had probably 15 or 20 different issues that we were going to be working on this session. And we knew that meant there were going to be another, you know, 15 or 20 that kind of popped up that maybe weren't on the radar. So Lori, I would tell you, it's probably been the busiest session we've had since 2017. No doubt. It's been great. Road funding has been kind of top of mind for a lot of people again, and it's exciting to see that. I Yeah, I agree. I mean, we kind of knew with inflation going on last year, we knew there were going to be a, a lot of conversations taking place. But like you said, I think it's, it's been a very encouraging first half for us to see the General Assembly, I mean, pretty much publicly saying like, look, we, we need to figure out how we're going to solve some of these challenges the industry is facing. We want to keep our road funding plan in place and do what we can to, to try and meet and address those issues that are out there. So I don't want to jinx us. I kind of felt like maybe we were recording this podcast today, but for me, this is, you know, I think my eighth or ninth legislative session lobbying. And, and for me, no question, the best first half of session I've ever had. And I think probably beyond our expectations for our industry, kind of where we're at right now. So um, we'll get into the bills here in just a second, share some of the great news with everybody. Um, but first, so about eight weeks ago, legislative session kicked off. We had about 1,200 bills and a couple of resolutions that were introduced by both House and the Senate. Some encouraging news I was looking yesterday, we're down to about 350 or so bills that have passed one of the two chambers. So we, we've lost about two thirds of those bills. And I, I've told a couple of people recently, you know, believe it or not, not all 1200 bills were great ideas. So it's, it's kind of, you know, interesting as they go through this process, bills that don't get heard in a committee or perhaps don't pass out of a chamber. It's a big step for us to get to this halfway point, to kind of know what's really going to move, what bills are going to be talked about in the second half of session, and where we need to focus our energy. And now we start off next week, second half of session, and the committee process starts all over again. So a lot of work to be done. So first, let's talk about some of the issues we've been supporting this session, some things we've been working on, whether they're bills, amendments, or just kind of general topics. Um, Lori, as you know, legislators have really their greatest priority when they come back for a legislative session is passing the biennium budget. Legislators are back this year. They took the governor's introduced version. We saw the House Republicans release their version about two weeks ago and passed out of the House. Um, and it's a $44 billion two-year budget. A lot of really interesting pieces in there for us. So why don't I go ahead and talk about some of the BIC initiatives, and then, Lori, we can have you kind of talk about some of the other components that are in there. So sure. for, for us at Build Indiana Council, we had really two big priorities this, this legislative session, and we knew they were going to be budget bill conversations. So talking to House leadership, talking to House fiscal committee members, the biggest one for us this year was looking at the gas tax index, and that's the one penny on on traditional gas, two cents on special fuels, that since we passed House Enrolled Act 1002, 
We have done indexing every July, and we've seen that slight increase in gas taxes collected, which generates a little over $30 million a year. Um, we have a sunset on that. It's 2024. So a big for BIC this year was to look at extending that out further. A lot of interesting conversations the last couple of weeks. No one was really sure how it was going to play out, um, but we were excited to see that the House Republicans did include that in uh, their version of the budget as it will pass over to the Senate. So again, not a done deal. We still got a lot of work to do over on the Senate side, but a huge first step for us. And again, a really good sign that there's a lot of support from the General Assembly to continue that and to keep it going forward. The other piece, uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, and I think NDOT did a great job in their budget presentation talking about the impacts of not continuing indexing. They said that the five-year impact was $181 million, and the 15-year impact was like $2.5 billion. So yeah. legislators heard that, and they definitely understood the importance of it. Right, and that, that's a great point. You know, at the end of their presentation, I think we had a legislator even ask them, um, you know, how, how challenging has inflation been? What are some things we can do? and look to help you guys this year. So I, I agree with you, Lori. INDOT has been a great partner with us in sharing a lot of the, the data and the impact the industry has seen in the last year or two because of COVID and inflation. Um, they also, during their budget presentation, talked a little bit about the gas use tax and how we have been rolling that over, you know, one-seventh at a time. It was a seven-year phase-in of, of getting that sales tax on gas out of the state general fund and into the road highway fund. And again, at the end of the NDOT pres budget presentation, we had a legislator ask them, you know, if we expedite that, if we take the last two years of it and we just kind of rip the bandaid off and push that money into the state highway fund, would that be helpful for you guys? And <laughs> the clear answer is yes, obviously. No one's going to say additional revenue would, would not be great for them. But um, we were also really pleased to see that concept was included in the House budget version. So again, another big priority. We talked to legislators about that over the summer and the fall about, hey, you know, the state's in a great fiscal position. There's really no need to continue to phase this in and go through this process. Let's just go ahead and uh, reallocate that money from the general fund into the state highway fund. And, and that really helps us. You know, we continue to make that argument that gas taxes are our user fee. When you pay at the pump, it goes back into roads. And this is just a way for us to continue to make that charge. So, Lori, do you want to talk about a couple of the other big picture things that are in the budget bill that uh, we've been keeping a close eye on? Yeah, just really quickly back on the indexing, I'd mentioned too that um, while NDOT certainly gets a portion of that, the, our local partners get a portion right. as well. So it's certainly going to help them as they face those same inflationary impacts that NDOT has talked about. Great point. Um, yeah, there's a lot in there that's not your traditional road funding, but could certainly provide some impacts for us. Um, the ready grants that um, provides sort of a, a regional approach to economic development, they've included a portion for ready grants 2.0, um, about $500 million. And what's really nice about it this year is they've specifically said that um, these grants can be used for costs associated with housing and the infrastructure that supports housing. So, you know, from our interests, um, just the roads and streets portion of that housing um, initiative is really helpful for us. 
speaking of housing, there's also money for the Residential Housing Infrastructure Assistance Program, which was carried in another bill, but the funding is included in the budget. Um, and they got $75 million over the two years for that. And again, that can be used for the infrastructure to support housing. One piece of this that I think some are watching is that the dollars can only be used for actual construction and not planned development. So there's a question of how communities can put together the plans in order to push forward those housing initiatives. Um, and then there's some trails money as well, $50 million for the next level trails. So that continues to be such a popular program, um, probably second only to community crossings in the legislators' minds. So budget bills passed out of the house. We know we've got a lot of work still to do over on the Senate side. We're meeting with, you know, Senate fiscal leadership over the next couple of weeks here. Um, you know, I think we're in a really good spot though. And quite honestly, to my surprise, there was very little conversation, discussion, debate about any of these, you know, big focus priorities in the budget bill. Everything seemed to be focused on school vouchers, education funding, so we're definitely in a good spot going to the second half. Um, but with that, I don't feel like anything is accomplished yet. So again, still a lot of work to do. Let's talk about a couple other bills that uh, really kind of made their way through the process weeks ago. Um, House Bill 1049. This is the INDOT agency bill. As the bill was introduced, it had language really pretty dramatic non-dramatic, non-controversial language dealing with bicycle traffic control devices. Um, we knew we had a couple issues we had been working with NDOT on over the summer and talking to Chairman Pressel about. We knew they would be included in this bill through the amendment process and committee. Really the big one that we were watching in this was an ICI initiative dealing with bids on projects and what happens when you have a bid that comes back or a project that comes back with no bids below the engineer's estimate. And typically those projects are getting kicked out of the process. They start all over, they go back to the drawing board, you know, that preliminary engineering gets redone and we start all over. Big, or an, an ICI had been talking to legislators over the summer and fall. We've been working with NDOT to try and come up with a change to the process that's already in statute that would allow um, when you've got a project that is currently less than a million dollars, that you have four bids that have been received, and those bids are all within 15% of the project estimated cost, NDOT could still select one of those bids, even though they're all over the engineer's estimates. Um, we looked at that. We said, you know what? This language is 12, 13 years old. A lot of these parameters that are in place, one, are kind of outdated, and two, they just don't fit the scope of traditional projects today. So we came up with some modifications for that to increase it from a $1 million project up to $3 million to drop it down from having to have four bids down to three. And we left that 15% threshold in place. And everyone seemed to get in a good place with that. NDOT was agreeable. Um, it's not necessarily what ICI was looking for, but I think we found a, a good compromise on it. So that language was also included in the NDOT bill. As we worked on that and the industry said, hey, here's something you know we think would be helpful for us. NDOT came to the table and said, hey, we've got something we like as well, and uh, something that they think would be helpful for the agency, and that is the inclusion of CMGC, Construction Manager General Contractor. It's a new delivery method process for NDOT. 
We've seen a lot of other states around the country that are starting to utilize this for large-scale projects, typically where the department may not have the capability to handle such a large-scale project in-house. Um, so this really kind of puts it back out there for the contractors to do a lot of that oversight and kind of the initial work on the front end of the project to identify all those landmines and, and potential issues that are out there. So, you know, talking with ICI and ACEC, obviously some concerns when you have a new tool in the toolbox, want to make sure it's kind of fits and everyone can be comfortable with it. I think we're going to, the way the language was introduced into the bill, we're going to kind of roll this out kind of slow. They've asked for kind of an initial five-year sunset on it. So if the project's working well and, and, and NDOT is utilizing this tool and we've seen some success with it, we can come back in five years and say, yes, let's keep this going forward. If there have been issues, it puts the pressure on the, the department as well as the industry to come back and say, how can we kind of fix this up a little bit? But we also put a cap of two projects per year. I think one of the bigger concerns was, is NDOT going to start to transition over to this and just outsource all of this work? And then you have potentially one or two big companies come in from outside of Indiana and start to gobble up all the work. So put a cap on it of two, two projects per year. So I think we're in a pretty good spot on that language as well. The third piece in the NDOT agency bill that's kind of more of a big interest was the inclusion of some language to have a focus on the interim road study committee this summer on local and state road funding needs. How do we need to revise our plan? How do we move forward with all the things that have changed in the five years since the passage of House Enrolled Act 1002? I think perhaps a bigger conversation on tolling again, um, but to take a closer look at, you know, have we made the progress that we expected? So I think it's very encouraging to see legislators acknowledge, hey, you know, we, we said we had a 20-year plan, but that did include tolling, that did include include locals having more of involvement with wheel taxes. Um, inflation hit at 40% last year. So I think it's really wise of them to come back and say, you know, let's take a look at this and see, are we still on track or do we need to take some other steps with it? So Lori, kind of what are your thoughts on, on that approach moving forward? Oh, I think it's great. I, you know, something that we've been talking about really since 2017 is let's not lose sight of, you know, like you said, what will be happening over the next five, 10 years. And um, I, I think it's really interesting that they've added it to an existing summer study committee. Um, the House is kind of in that mode right now where they don't want new task forces. So they right. just are using existing committees. But this is a lot of work to be done yes. in a summer study. And when you think about all the work that was done in preparation for 2017, um, you know, they're, they're taking on a big chunk here. So I'm really excited to see what they come up with. And um, hopefully it can be a really in-depth discussion of what exactly are our long-term funding options. And I think that, you know, BIC should definitely be prepared to bring a lot of information to the table on this. Yep, I agree. Lori, do you want to talk a little bit about House Bill 1050, the BMV bill and the electric vehicle fees that are included in there and, and some of those components? Yeah, definitely. So as part of the 2017 bill, you know, we keep referring back to that a lot, but that's um, kind of the basis for this. There was a provision that electric vehicle fees and hybrid vehicle fees would be indexed every five years. Um, and this past year, that was supposed to happen. There was um, a, an error in the law so that if it had gone into effect as it was intended to, the cost would have been 
really high. Right now, electric vehicle owners pay $150 a year registration fee and hybrids pay $75. And it was going to get, we heard anywhere up to, you know, $300, $400. So um, BMV decided to wait. They were asked to, and they decided to wait to implement this indexing until new language was passed. So that is included in House Bill 1050. This is Chairman Pressel's bill. And what they do is they just index it just like fuel taxes are indexed. And um, so the $150 fee will be $215 um, when it goes into effect. And the hybrid fee will be um, $72 instead of $50. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Um, <laughs> so in my mind, that didn't seem right. Um, so it's it's still a minimal impact. We're seeing it grow each year. But, you know, our... Her thought is get it in place while there's fewer drivers right. so that it's easier to do. They're looking at maybe anywhere between one and $5 million extra during this biennium. Um, and that goes to community crossings. That is another issue that will have to be dealt with in the future is, is that the appropriate place for it to go as that continues to grow. You know, right now, like we said, it's not very much, but when it's hundreds of millions of dollars, is that the right place? So that will be a future discussion there. There was another provision included in 1050, which was interesting, and it's dealing with trucks that are under 26,000 pounds. Um, currently, those are not included in the IFTA, the International Fuel Tax Agreement provisions, and this bill brings them in so mm. that there is a collection of road user fees for those. What's interesting, you notice this too, is that in the fiscal, it's sort of an unknown impact. Yeah, and right. It could be really large and maybe not. So right. I guess we'll kind of have to see on that, but it's, it's rare that you see no idea on the impact. We'll we'll just figure it out. I, I told somebody the other day, I said, it's kind of like that Christmas present that's in a really big box, but it, it doesn't weigh very much at all. You just have no idea what's in there and uh, you just kind of have to wait and see when you get it open. So. Right, it could be a piece of gum or a diamond ring, right. you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. One more bill we wanted to highlight today, House Bill 1015. This is the work zone safety bill that the industry has been working on for four or five years now. Um, we had some really encouraging and positive news to share. This bill passed out of the, the House of Representatives a few weeks ago by a vote of 70 to 28. This was the first year that we actually got it to the House floor. Um, so really encouraging that it moved rather quickly. There wasn't a lot of debate on it. Um, typically, the last couple of years, this bill has gotten hung up within the House Republican Caucus, and there just hasn't been enough support to get it out of the House. So this year, we started on the House side, had a really great committee hearing on the bill, moved rather quickly through the House Republican Caucus. They realized they had the votes. Much to our surprise, but pleasure, the, the bill author, Chairman Pressel, uh, came to us pretty quickly and said, hey, I've got the votes. I'm going to call it today. And uh, it was great to see that get out of the House. Again, it will now make its way over to the Senate. It did pass out of there last year. I think a vote was 35 to 16. So um, really encouraging as the bill returns over to the Senate side in the same version as last year that... We, we feel pretty confident we've got the support from Senate Republicans and Democrats to get this thing passed this year. So again, you know, a pilot program to utilize camera enforcement in work zones, 
We think this will go a long way to really get the traveling public to slow down in our work sites. Um, there's a lot of parameters around the bill. It's going to start out pretty small, narrow scope. Um, an individual going 11 miles per hour or faster through a work zone will get uh, an initial warning letter. And then second offense, a small fine. And then third offense, so kind of a traditional fine. Um, but this is a, a huge hurdle for us to get over. I think a big step forward. And thankfully, uh, a lot of acknowledgement from stakeholders that we've got to do something. We've tried a lot of other methods, um, queue trucks, signage, law enforcement and work zones, and it's, things are still going the opposite way. We're still seeing the traveling public driving faster and faster. So again, really encouraging to see this bill moving forward. The last bill we want to talk about, it's not all offense for us. We have to do quite a bit of defense. You know, anytime you have a successful program and, and it, it has funding included with it, people are going to be wanting to make some changes or shift some funds from here to there. One that we've worked on really since my, my time here at BIC, the last couple, two or three years, dealing with local MVH. And that's the 50% the restricted portion that local units of government have to use on construction, reconstruction, and preservation We've seen a bill, I think every year the last three years to allow locals some more flexibility with that. That was the same case this year. We had Senate Bill 74 that started in the Senate Appropriations Committee. We kind of knew how things were gonna play out there. It was the second or third time this bill had gone through the committee. It was encouraging. There seemed to be a little less appetite for it this year than there has been in years past. But as expected, it did pass out of committee. It did pass out of the Senate. Um, but also, as expected, we knew we had the House Republican opposition to this bill and, and opposition to creating more flexibi flexibility in how road funding dollars are spent. So we feel like we're in a pretty good spot on this. We think the road funding study that we discussed earlier will, will be kind of the best way to say, no, we're not going to do this now. Let's talk about local road conditions this summer. Are they on track? Are they ahead of schedule? Then yes, maybe we can look at some additional flexibility. Or are they behind? And are they not making as much progress as we had anticipated five years ago? So more conversation to come on that, but we think we're in a pretty good spot in the second half. That being said, it did pass one chamber. Everything's on the table. There's going to be a lot of negotiations taking place in the last week of session on a lot of our big priority issues in the budget bill. Um, so I don't want to say this is done for the session, but hopefully we'll remain in the, in the background for the, the last couple months here. Well, I hope that with the House saying that this will be discussed this summer, um, that helps it, you know, not move forward. I think this inflation impact is just, it needs to be studied in light of change and flexibility. Um, yeah. is this the time to take money away from construction and, um, with 43% increase in costs. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, here's what's next for us. We start the second half on Monday. We have the majority of our work in the second half of session is gonna be over on the Senate side. The, the vast majority of the bills we worked on and we're tracking were House bills, which means they're now gonna be Senate bills. Um, so we already have meetings lined up with the Senate Transportation Committee members with Senate leadership. Uh, and then after we complete those meetings over the next week or two, we'll, we'll move on up to meeting with Senate appropriations and tax and fiscal committee members. So 
my expectation is we're probably going to have a sit down meeting with just about every single senator <laughs> in the second half of session. But I think we'll have a pretty good idea by late March, kind of how our issues are going to play out. I think we'll have a pretty good idea where support is going to be, what they're going to be voting, how they're going to be voting on our issues. So again, a, a lot of good work to take place over on the Senate side. My, my request for listeners, for our members, um, just pay attention to our Friday legislative updates. Pay attention, be on the lookout for any type of action alerts. We're asking you to do any direct outreach to your legislators. Be prepared to, to reach out to them and talk about the importance of continuing indexing, additional funding for our roads, work zone safety, all the issues we talked about today. So, and then lastly, you know, we, we hit mid-April, we hit the conference committee process, and that's when every bill or language that has passed a committee or one chamber is alive, and uh, bills will be flying all over the place, language will be moving from this bill to that bill, and things will get a little crazy for the, the last couple of weeks of April, but thankfully they are scheduled to wrap up their work and, and uh, complete signing die by April 29th, so... Still a lot of work to do. Got, got some busy weeks coming up on us, but we've enjoyed this little break. So Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Nice to kind of re, re, get a, a re-grasp on where things are at. So, yes. all right. Well, Lori, thank you for joining us today. Look Absolutely. forward to seeing you in the second half here. Great.